Wiggity wiggity, what's up, America? What's up, London? What's up, Australia, China, Norway, wherever you may be, whatever you may be doing, whoever you may be doing, hmm? creating. <laughs> this is the Entrepreneur Now podcast, episode 64. Jeez, 64 episodes later, I remember uh, as a little kid when those balling Nintendo 64s had just come out and playing with those, man. It's been a long time since, but I am pumped to have gotten away from that, although that is fun. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but moving into the podcast world, I I am so pumped. I'm borderline shaking because I'm so excited to to introduce my guest today because he is a huge role model for me. He has played a huge role in the reason that this podcast exists. Uh, he has been the one person that has been there when I came out and I had you know n- no confidence that I could do anything. Uh, I was introduced to this guest, Paul Kemp, by the lovely and magnificent Amber Ludwig uh, from a previous episode. And she was the first person that I reached out to, but she immediately connected me to Paul, the app guy, Kemp. Yes, you probably heard of him. I've mentioned him several times before, but he has played an entire, like, I mean, I can't even explain the amount of mentoring that he has done for me. And as a friend and as somebody I've met over the internet and kept in touch with on a weekly basis, I mean, we've grown to, to really become good friends and I'm pumped to have him on the show. And to, to look at what I have done since I first reached out to Paul, and to where I have gotten now, uh, based on where I was then, it just blows my mind. And, and a lot of it is all rooted from things that he he plugged in for me. Um, things that he told me I could do, convincing me to start this podcast in general, uh, convincing me to get working and started on, on building these mobile applications, which is so, so exciting to be able to create something like a podcast or an application and bring it into this world. I didn't know what I was doing before I did any of this stuff, guys. And if you're in a position where you feel like you don't know what to do, you think you might want to do something, you don't know what your calling is in life, you're scared, it's a normal thing. I was there. And it took one person just like Paul to push me and say, hey, man, you could do it. For me to, to wake up, you know, wake that fear up on the other side of me and realize that you know all your dreams and everything you can imagine are, are just sitting there right there sleeping. And all you have to do is take a step forward. Don't be scared because there's really no reason to be at all. I mean, absolutely no reason to be. So Paul Paul is the man. And, and I've seen myself grow since knowing him, but I've also watched him evolve. And it's amazing the things that he's accomplishing now. He's got one of the most successful podcasts on iTunes called The App Guy Podcast. He does the Entrepreneur Dad Podcast. He's, he's the father of two beautiful twin boys. He's got a loving wife. Uh, but he is one of the most humble, amazing, caring people I've ever met. And he is just brilliant. He's a brilliant mind. And, and I love talking to Paul. So I'm pumped to have him on today. Uh, for all the show notes, it will be artsynow.com forward slash 64. And guys, if your ears hang low, you better wobble them straight to the front because this is going to be a good one. Dun, dun, dun. Here we go. 
Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that stinkity stinkity rinkity dinkity beat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, you guys, I'm ready. Well, here we go now. Who wants to get a little bit funky out there? Who wants to get a little creative out there, huh? Yeah. Which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? Well, I do. I do. Well, then get on with your bad selves. Yeah. If your stinky little ears hang low, you better make sure you wobble them to the front if you can. Because my guest today has got two twin boys because, well, he's two times the man. Dropping in from across the world in the United Kingdom. He used to work for the corporate monster, but not anymore. He dominates podcasts. He dominates apps. And he knows how to make the good times riggedy roll. It is my honor to introduce to you Paul the App Guy. Camp! A skidam a rinkity dinkity dink, a skidam a rinkity doo Paul, you-hoo! Are the entrepreneur now, man? What is happening? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> He's, you're a legend. Thank you for that intro. <laughs> well, hell, man. I've, I've had no success as far as producing uh, one child at all, so let alone... Two twin boys just makes you the manliest of the man. So congratulations on that um, and for being a man, even though you're all the way across the pond. Well, he's, I feel very, uh, very uh, small compared to one of my guests on my show, The App Guy, where he is responsible for uh, getting 200,000 women pregnant through his app uh, called Kendara. <laughs> so... Uh, it's like everything in life. When you start comparing yourself to others, there's always someone out there that's doing much better than you. My God, two hundred thousand. What? So, so Paul, Paul talks to all these amazing people all over the the world, uh, and it was really the first the first time I connected with him was through a girl named Amber Ludwig, who's also amazing. She was a guest on his show. She introduced me to him. She was one of the first person that I reached out to, and I started listening to Paul's podcast, which was. Probably, I don't know, top first three podcasts I ever listened to. The first one that I really enjoyed thoroughly, you know, I, li- I was listening to EO Fire and some other ones that were the same thing over and over, just drilling, you know, the exact same thing into your head. But Paul's podcast was different and he, he was interviewing people all over the world and it wasn't just app developers, it was creative entrepreneurs of all type, but they were talking about apps, which is awesome because, you know, one of my main goals, and I've talked about it before, is creating apps and fist pumping and, and getting out, leaving the job for the bosses that are listening. And Paul, dude, you're doing it all, man. You've been a huge inspiration for me. We've been in a mastermind for a while now. I can honestly say 90% of the things that I've learned are from Paul. So everybody needs to check out his show. And uh, he's just a humble, great, amazing, real person. And you don't find that too often in this world. So I feel honored to have you on, man. I'm very honored to be on here as well. I've loved, uh, you know, the fact that we reached out, connected with each other so, uh, well, so long ago now it feels. And 
you know, at the time, uh, you were a little bit nervous about starting this podcast, and I, I just listened to literally the, the first um, episode that you sent me, and I can remember it vividly. I was just sitting there thinking, oh, this is, you know, going to be a bit naff, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And and it was just amazing. I was, like, blown away by how unique and uh, how interesting, and, and your intros, obviously, were legendary, and it just got me hooked. And I thought, this is your calling. Why are you asking me? It should be me asking you advice. Well, if you remember correctly, the <laughs> the first uh, I was trying to figure out how to set up questions for a podcast, and I sent you a draft of the questions that I was going to use. <laughs> which now we know I don't use any particular questions except for you know the Godzilla one because it's amazing, and we'll dive into that later. But um, I sent you that that script of questions, and you responded with Heath. This this is an exact copy of Entrepreneur on Fire, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we've all been there. I was, uh, I was, you know, inspired by, I guess, uh, that podcast as well. In a way, I used to listen to it a lot. And, and there's just this temptation. I think this is like anything in life. If you're listening to this now, you very tempted to copy what is successful, and and, and to, to some extent, that's important. You know, to take those bits that are successful. I think but it's you because have... people are scared. Yeah, I mean, to 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 find their own voice. And I don't know if it was like I was necessarily that that scared, but for some reason, even though as hard as I tried not to make it sound exactly like that, that's how it came out. Right. Well, you know, look, look through uh, the podcasting charts now and you'll see all these uh, lookalikes, these similar, the copycats for uh, Entrepreneur on Fire. And, uh, you know, they're called um, Something on Fire. I don't know, all these things. You listen Dude. to them and they're, they're literally a copy and it's just so pathetic to hear those things. I saw one, it was Athlete on Fire. And I listened to the first episode because the logo looked exactly the same. And I'm like, okay, this has to be a podcast paradise, dude. And I get in and like, I listen to the episode and it's literally the exact same thing. And at the beginning, it's the same intro. And then he's like, are you ready to ignite? And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Yeah. So it really is <laughs> finding your own, like taking the aspects of, of someone that's doing it, you know, really uh, is uh, successful, but also just finding your own feet and, and having the confidence to to go out and do it because literally that is your journey. And it's the journey. I always talk about the journey being much more important than actually an end goal. Um, yeah, it's, it's what, it, how it changes us along the way. Well, and, and all these different processes you've created and these experiences that you've gone through since starting your podcast, I know you have more than one podcast and you do the Entrepreneur Dad podcast and you might even have more than that for now, all that I know of. But um, you you have a history of you worked in, I don't want to say corporate America, I guess it would be corporate UK, uh, but, but you've been working, you've had a family, you've moved them around and you left that that type of job to create this amazing platform that you have. And I know that there was probably a point there in between where you were a little nervous, uh, you didn't know what was going to happen. But but looking back now, you have this amazing platform that you built. You've got this huge audience. You got this mega popular uh, podcast. You're doing apps. You've made connections with people all over the world. Do you want to talk about what it was like uh, when when you first decided that you were going to leave your corporate you know type job uh, and and start that podcast? Because I know we don't talk about this much. We used to. I know you mentioned a few things, but I'm thoroughly interested in hearing your take of where I was, you know, about six months ago in comparison to, to where you were when you made the flip. Yeah. I love talking about this. This is one of uh, the, the things that I've learned. And, and if there's anything you can take away from 
what we're going to talk about here is don't have the confidence to go and do something on your own. It is amazing. So, uh, you know, I, I guess we could start off by my journey is um, the typical one that you get. I was really thrilled to be able to get into university. That was one of my goals. And uh, and from there, you meet like-minded people that only have aspirations to uh, have a career. And so then you almost try to uh, position yourself for um, failure in a way because you, you go into like a career where you're not quite sure if it's um, the right one for you, but you just know it pays well. And so obviously in the UK, we our big financial center is London. If you want to make a lot of money, you go to London. And uh, after traveling around the world, I, I got a job in the Queen's stockbroker. And, uh, you know, my job interview actually was, uh, was quite interesting because I turned up uh, having traveled around uh, the world and spent some time in Thailand. I had this uh, green suit and it was a, um, one of those suits that you get made in Bangkok and uh, had the bows and uh, it was uh, boss. Sorry, and at the end of the day, the the interviewer said, "I'm going to hire you, but you need a haircut and you need to get rid of that green suit." <laughs> and so they hired me, Queen Stockbroker, and had to have a pinstripe suit, which is pretty much it's like uh, going into a mental institution where you know uh-huh. you have to wear this tight jacket and I had the butler that would uh, take my jacket from me and uh, welcome me as I walked oh into God. this very um, uh, luxurious uh, building um, that was uh, just extremes amount of wealth. And and then that was my, my goal in life from that point onwards, I thought was to make as much money. And, and there was this uh, distinction between front office and back office. And so I was started off in the back office and just like the words, you know, say, they, they sound, you want to move from the back office to the front office where all the, uh, the money is made. And uh, those people in the front office were uh, from the uh, cream of the crop in the UK, you know, from the private uh, schooling and uh, it's really hard to get in there. And so that led me to just pursue that, that goal. And uh, eventually I ended up um, on a very well-paid job over, um, uh, what was I getting? $150,000 a year or something. Uh, I, and, and so when you look at me from the outside and, and I, I quite ask any, anyone to think about their own life, you know, when someone is looking in, they think they can see success. And actually it was great at the time, but then slowly I lost my purpose and it just didn't feel, it was corporate America because I did end up working for a U.S. company and it just did not feel like I had a purpose or I, I was enjoying what I was doing. It felt like uh, the money was not compensating me for this um, void in my life. And and it was only until I, I on the, the courage to leave a job is just so challenging. Um, you know, you literally believe that you're going to end up being penniless. You're going to be living on the streets. All this stuff that your inner mind is telling you, you know, because it's the fear factor. It's the uh, the lizard brain, as I like to call it, and I think Seth Godin refers to it as well as that part of your brain that is is just trying to keep you safe and avoid you from doing anything too risky. Uh, and so it's only until you leave that you realize actually there's not that much risk involved because uh, you, as long as you can try and you know motivate yourself to make your own way, then it's the best thing you can do. So I I left corporate America, hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year job, and uh, and got a. Uh, and, and then had my first uh, big lesson in life, <laughs> which, which, um, which is, yeah. I would have is, hired uh, you alone just based on your green suit, man. <laughs> have you know, I've got, I've got two green suit jackets. 
<laughs> so, that, I mean, that's just another thing we have in common there. I'm going to let you know you're not alone on that one, buddy. <laughs> uh, my green suit is long gone, but I mean, I'm happy to uh, get another one and we could share uh, green suit stories. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about doing a photo shoot for Artsy Now, you know, put put more pictures of me up there. I'll be wearing that green suit. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I just... Again, anyone listening to this, have you gone to somewhere where you have to change, you have to change your behavior, your dress sense, you, you know, the, the, almost the person you are to accommodate the, the company, the corporate culture? Yeah, which is, it's a, it's a horrible method that you don't want to go down. Um, I work for three of the biggest companies in the United States. One of them actually based, the world really, CRH is based out of Ireland. They're a huge construction company. and Working for them, it's like you have two choices, man. You can either put your head down, uh, reframe your mind enough to make it sound like you're happy that you're getting at least a shot to have a paycheck and to survive, which is fine. Um, or you can realize that you're just a number and there's so much more potential outside the gate. So why the hell not take the leap? You know, you only live one time. Yeah, I, you can yeah, I would go say back and work for a job like that, you know? Yeah, I would say we almost have to redefine what success is because, you know, if you look at the American dream and it's very much like the UK dream, it's almost like, is there a quantifiable amount of money that determines whether you're successful or not? And I, I argue that, that, I mean, you know, I should have been happy on $150,000 a year. That buys you a lot of stuff, yeah. you know, but what I had a sports car. And, right? But the more stuff I was buying, the more... Uh, uh, I was losing my freedom in a way because you're building up your life around uh, a position, a career that is not particularly of uh, that interest to you. And uh, uh, so I would say, you know, almost it, it's important for us nowadays to th define what is success. And if it's going to be, oh, I need this amount of stuff to, to be successful, then that you're on a, a never ending treadmill because you'll never be happy. Uh, it doesn't matter how much stuff you own in the world. There'll always be an emptiness in your life in a way i i literally just wrote a post on simplifying on my on artsy now um so which would be about two months old by the time you all listen to this but uh i'll send you the link paul and you can check it out it's it's fascinating i found a similarity between all these successful people that i've had on the show and that's that they simplify uh, and, and it's it's strange to me because that's something that i started doing uh, just to to reduce clutter, to reduce stress. You know, the less things you have around you, the less money you have to spend to maintain them. Um, the less you're going to get distracted when you're trying to focus on something incredible. And so, when you say that that you had all this stuff from, you know, you made all this money, you bought all this stuff, but it was really just solidifying that life that you really didn't want. You know, people buy things because it, they want to feel better when they're not working because they hate being at work so much. And it makes them feel good to have these materialistic things. But in reality, when you have less stuff, you have less distractions. And when you have less distractions, you know, you have more awareness. And then that eventually turns into more clarity, more meaning in life. And then when you live with clear intent, then you obviously have undoubtedly discovered the pursuit of happiness you dream of is not only possible, it's 100% absolute, man. Like you can get there. So I'm, I'm pumped that you mentioned that. Yeah, well, the other uh, interesting part of the story is that uh, I, I actually can measure the decline of my happiness with the number of people that joined the company and the, the growth of the company. 
And when it was a small team of 15 people in this London office, it was for a large uh, corporate uh, American company, but they had a very small London office and it felt really entrepreneurial. It was like a startup. You you were responsible for your own decisions. You worked as a very close-knit team and there was a lot of going out, socializing. It was a wonderful job. I, I really enjoyed it. And then the more people, the more corporate structures started to come into place, uh, the the uh, the more meetings you had to have to try and get anything approved, the less entrepreneurial it felt. And, and literally, even though my my salary and, and bonus and that were, were rising, my um, uh, feeling of happiness was falling because I was getting swamped in, in the corporate culture. And so I, I think that, you know, working now for, I mean, obviously I'm working solopreneur. It's literally, you are the decision maker. It's fantastic when you first start doing it, but also working in a small startup as part of a small family team in a way it's just a wonderful experience because you know it just it's, it's so entrepreneurial and there's definitely something in that that spirit of, of smallness that um, excites you <laughs> yeah i think the word exciting is to play down a bit too man it's like the most gratifying thing ever you know it, it's mm. just extremely fascinating and and one of the best things that you can experience um you we fist pump I, one particular that you or story that I remember you telling me when we first started talking was the one where you, you were doing odd jobs and you had a little incident with the roofing. <laughs> and, and I guess you said you actually fell through the roof at one time and, and you remember the guy, I guess, was it your boss maybe who, who yes. looked at you? And yeah. just, he was just like not concerned at all about if you were hurt or not. He was more pissed about the hole in the roof and you were like, okay, this is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I love how you're, you're taking the entrepreneurial fire um, format now and starting with my epic failures because <laughs> I've got a lot of those. Okay, <laughs> And uh, I would say that, yes, uh, I uh, left uni. I went traveling around the world and uh, I ended up, this is in Surface Paradise in Australia. And the story is that I uh, had to get some work and I went to the job center and there was just nothing going on, but I saw an employer walk through the door. And so I just started a, a conversation up with him and he was a, a roofer and uh, he's just looking at me and, uh, you know, I'm a Brit, I'm a scorny little Brit. And he's just looking at me saying, <laughs> I really need somebody a slightly you know bigger build. And I was like, literally saying, I'm very strong. I just don't, you know, <laughs> don't look it. And, I was convincing him to take me on and, and eventually he did. And it was, you know, one of those experiences where you just need the ultimate worst job of your life to realize, uh, you know, even though I was living in a place called paradise, you know, surface paradise, it was literally the uh, worst job. It was putting a loft insulation into uh, buildings. And, and so obviously in the heat of Australia, oh. uh, just covered in uh, the, the insulation stuff, uh, I, I was a bit of a novice and yeah, I totally fell through the floor and um, I, I injured myself. And, and as I say, he was uh, just working out whether he was going to dock my wages. <laughs> You're a goof, man. So yeah, I can I, 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 that could all play out in my head. Like literally I, I just see it watching, but uh, it's, it's, it's hilarious. And man, like you, you really do this amazing job, which really inspires me as you test the water constantly, you educate yourself constantly, you have the ability through your network with the podcast to talk to the greatest founders in the world all over the place with all these amazing apps. Um, so you've got so many practices in place to help you maximize your time and your success 
You know, you like your virtual assistants, the things I've learned from you about that. And I've got a lot of learn to learn still. We, we learn every single day, which is why I love our mastermind so much, because we literally just bounce things back and forth. But when you first started the podcast in particular, let's talk about the App Guy podcast. Uh, was that the first one that you started or was that the Entrepreneur Dad? No, actually, it was, it was the first ever podcast. And the, almost the reason I did that, and this is going to be uh, applicable to anybody who is uh, coming online, trying to uh, make their way in this virtual world that we now live in. And the temptation, and certainly the way I was attracted to this uh, industry is that I, I initially actually set up a bricks and mortar company, lost a lot of money in doing that. You know, you have to, cut, uh, in, in a way, there is a transition period from being a full-time uh, salaried employee to uh, working as an entrepreneur. And it doesn't matter how much you learn, you need to go through this experience. So I, I uh, lost a bit, quite a bit of money, but ultimately I received one email one day in my office that I was sitting in that was a, I was paying a lot of money for and, uh, you know, using all my savings from the, the job and uh, trying to basically keep this company afloat. Uh, and I received this email and it was uh, about uh, internet marketing. And I thought, I'm going to get into, into that, um, that conference and uh, learn a lot of stuff about this online world. And then, uh, you know, literally I could not believe it. This is probably uh, 2008. Uh, there was this whole world of online that just opened up to me. And and for me, uh, everything I'd done online before that was as a consumer, just consuming content and reading and, and blog, you know, reading blogs and, and not really thinking that there's money to be made out of it. And, and so I went to this conference and, um, you know, learned some of the, uh, techniques of uh, marketing online, but uh, it really took me down slightly the wrong road because you know you're you're sort of I guess you're dealing with people that are already successful and they're telling you their overnight success. And if anyone tells you they've had an overnight success, I would say ninety nine percent of the time that's wrong. Uh, there's typically a, a whole you know decade or so of uh, hard work yeah. they've probably gone to 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 get there. You know, like me. So. Uh, the, the the reason I'm saying all this is that you know that led me down this this path of uh, wanting a business where you couldn't you didn't have to lose your house your back your shirt you know just to try things online you could literally set them up at almost zero cost and uh, and eventually uh, I I fell into apps because I, I got my first iPhone loved apps and uh, I was building apps. And you may feel like this as well, Heath, that you're building, you know, creative things for other people and uh, you're not liking the people that you're working with in a way your clients are just a pain in the backside. And, uh, and I was uh, doing a lot of this work. In fact, one client, very large client, uh, I'm going to name them It's TJ Hughes. Uh, they're a large department store in the UK. Uh, they appointed me to build an app. I built a really nice app for them. Took uh, six weeks to eight weeks of my um, life doing that and uh, working with some people that just didn't know what they were doing. And they never paid me. And I realized that I need to find some people I want to work with. I, I need to, you know, enjoy, because I, I, I do enjoy, um, you know, working with apps and it's obviously a new world and I feel like a, you know, one of the um, early adopters. Uh, and so I realized I needed to build up some authority in the space and actually just meet people to learn how successful people were doing it. Uh, and so I ended up um, doing a podcast. And the first one, I was nervous as anything. I didn't ask anybody for advice. I just literally bought a microphone, plugged it in. Uh, I couldn't believe it that when one guest uh, responded to me out of maybe a, an email of 10, and they said, yes, I'll, I'll uh, take an interview. It was a professor. 
Professor Lee Barney, in fact, I remember it very well. And, uh, oh, it was a nerve-wracking experience. Got through it, though, and realized that I'm actually quite good at getting hold of people, and, and I really enjoyed it. So one led to two, led to 10, and now I'm 200 plus, and uh, feel really highly networked and thankful that I started it. <laughs> and the network's so crazy, man. It really is. Like, you, you just have no idea the power and, and I'm like speechless just listening to the things that you say because I'm still so young into my, my entrepreneurial diving session. You know, like if you're working with people that you don't really particularly care about trading your time for, it can be a, a extreme hassle. I mean, you just burn out. It's almost the same as working like a, a day job, right? Where you just feel like you're accomplishing so much and then it just doesn't happen. Um, so it's, I'm like fist pumping for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that has different connotations. Like, I'm in the so UK. Ha- I'm so I'm such a proud like student to see the progress that you've made since I've started talking to you because it's been a lot. Um, you know, when I first started talking to you, you weren't anywhere near where you are today, and I know that because I talk to you, you know, at least every other week for a good hour or two, and. You're never dull at all. You're always extremely excited about something new, but but you're very smart about what you pay attention to, which I think is a huge principle that people need to understand. And it's something that I've struggled with as well because I want to dive into every little thing. Um, but but you find out what works and you, and you pursue it and you're not scared of it. And you've got the balls to do it, which obviously shows because you have two twin boys. We'll bring that up again. Um, but, but it's, it's fascinating. So with, with all, with all the episodes of the app guy under your belt, man, uh, talking to some of the best app entrepreneurs out there, like I, I, I could go on and on about some of the, the episodes that I've listened to, but what do you think? And I know it's hard for you to remember this cause you've done so many episodes. If, if you could pinpoint, what do you think some of the most valuable things you learned from your guests were and who were the, who were the guests? If you can remember. I remember every single episode. I, honestly, I, I just literally finished recording a, a special episode where uh, I was getting feedback on the uh, episodes, and I, I couldn't believe that I was just recalling every single episode that was being <laughs> talked about. So, uh, when you're passionate about something, you don't actually need, uh, you know, a, a long notebook of um, you know reminders. You you just know uh, because you, it's ingrained in you. So, yeah, like. Picking from the 200 plus episodes is like almost picking a favorite kid. Uh, not that you would have 200 kids, but uh, it's really hard. I do have some favorites. I have to say that if anyone's wondering and wants to go and listen to one of my favorites, it has to be episode 97 uh, with Andreas Cabanis. And uh, he uh, reached out to me and I uh, realized that he, he was a very interesting uh, app developer. He, his story is... Uh, uh, just go to the appguy.co and search episode 97, Andreas Cabanas. You know, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but his story in a nutshell is that he was on a bus uh, in uh, Colombia or Peru somewhere, and he was literally trying to get this app submitted through the app store. And uh, then he managed to get to somewhere to stay for, I think, $1 for the night in this hostel thing. And he was managed to get an internet connection and realized that the app that he'd uh, submitted was going live and it, it then started climbing up the charts. It reached 100, it reached the top 10, it reached the top six. And uh, I think he may have made $10,000 on the first night uh, or the oh first day. Of, and, and, and he's there in a $1 apartment or you know, like a uh, hotel. Uh, 
you know, guest bedroom or something. And he, he's uh, just got all this money rolling in. And it was, it was lovely to almost, it was a realization that, ah, oh, people can do this anywhere in the world with an internet connection and with just a passion and dedication and, and obviously the right techniques. Uh, and so that, yeah, was a very uh, memorable episode for me personally. <laughs> Columbia, huh, man? That that can be a, yeah, I can imagine how that would feel like. Like, I bet he was freaking out. <laughs> Yeah, he was he was fist pumping, my friend. He was uh, uh, the time, and you know the, his secret that the to guy success. That does the London cyclist site. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he. Uh, in fact, I've um, just helped him out. Uh, he came to me. This is how networking works. He literally came to me uh, yesterday, in fact, and uh, needed some help. And I've always been giving back, and he's given back to me. And uh, he needed an app building. Uh, didn't have time to do it on his own. And I've uh, recommended a resource, and he's connected and. Uh, He's getting an app built through one of my outsources. So it's a constant case of, if there's anything, again, you can take away from this, it's a constant case of just giving back and never knowing where that will take you. But ultimately, uh, it, it, because when you've got nothing to bring to the table, that the only thing you can do is help others and give back. And, and uh, then this is literally nine months after interviewing him, I, uh, I've managed to set him up and, and, uh, get him a, an app from my outsourcer. So yeah, really <laughs> interesting network. It's brilliant, isn't it? I love how it happens, how it all wraps back around again. Uh, the projects that I've, hell, I've got a coach that I met that was on my show. I've, I've got commitments to do projects with other people that have been on my show and, and people want to help others, you know, like if they'll, they're going to remember you, if you get out there and talk to people, which is why podcasting is so brilliant because it opens up like a whole new world of opportunity that you never know when it's going to hit you. I mean, you know, when he came back to you for that and you connected him, that's just another seeds in, in the bank, you know, and, and it's, it's fascinating, like truly fascinating. I don't know whatever, what other word to use there. Well, well, Heath, I mean, I was trying to bring this like to a point, I guess, uh, and you asked me about uh, when I started podcasting, and I would suggest that, that not everyone can do it. It's you've got to find your own feet. I I actually tried blogging. Uh, I was terrible. I couldn't keep a blog going. Uh, really, just writing is. Uh, I just couldn't find uh, the the time or the inclination to do it. But when I started podcasting, I realized that yes, I can do that. That's something I'm very good at, and and therefore I'm going to carry on doing that because it's all about creating content and. And, and sharing that knowledge with the world. And uh, and then that's how you expand your network, your authority in the space. And so that's why I've stumbled across podcasting, but it's not for everyone. It's not, you got to find your own thing. Yeah. And, and so what, what are some of the things that you have done that have helped you grow the podcast that have worked the best? Cause I know you've tried out a million different things. Um, what do you think, what do you think has been the most effective thing? Just doing it seriously, uh, like just starting is the most effective thing because what happens is you get into uh, the process of uh, creating content. And uh, I remember the first episode, I spent oh, maybe eight hours, four to eight hours editing the thing, taking out all the lip smacking and the uh, breaths <laughs> and uh, uh, the ums and the ahs. Uh, and then the next episode was four hours and the next episode, I literally I had a string of the first 20 where I was just editing like for hours upon end, making sure everything's right. And uh, it, it just got into 
the reason I'm so the reason I'm going through that is because it's a case of just doing it and doing it and doing it and and perfecting the skill. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, just getting better and better and better because you know at the end of the day, I'm a big fan of uh, Seth Godin, and he talks about shipping. Just get the thing done, get it out there. It may not be the first thing. You just never know what will um, be appealing, but just the process of uh, delivering content or delivering, uh, you know, valuable information, it, it, get, it almost changes you as, as you go along the journey. And then eventually, uh, you know, something will, will happen. And I remember an episode with a guy called Stephen Key, uh, who actually I'd never really heard of, but I knew was a fairly famous author. And uh, he, uh, unbeknown to me, had a huge um, email list. And uh, he actually was one of the few guests who decided to email his list for me. And uh, yeah, they had a big spike in uh, attention uh, during that period. Uh, and he was just one of those guests where it was just another one that, you know, you wanted to meet. So uh, I, I literally I would have looked at my 200 guests and I would never have picked him out as being one that's brought me the most traffic. Yeah, you, you never know. I mean, I, I think my most popular episode is one that blows my mind and I would have not and I would have never thought it. But it was uh, Nancy Kang and she was probably, you know, one of the least successful, you know, depending on how you define the word success. But as far as you know, making money. She was probably the least successful, but what she was, was one of the most real people I've ever had on the show. And she talked about just her struggle constantly with getting to where she wanted to be, uh, cleaning toilets, working on these sets of TV shows in hopes that one day she'll get a role uh, as an actress. And like, man, it's a big process to go through that. And I just had like, I mean, the massive amounts of plays coming on that episode and people sending emails and I told her that to this day, like it's still the most popular episode and she still doesn't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. And that's again, you know, what I've learned from that is just keep delivering and delivering and delivering and let the world decide upon what content that you're delivering is, is the most interesting. And as I said, I just had a special episode and I would not have believed the episodes that they picked were their best, but they, they were episodes that were almost throwaway episodes for me. So yeah, yeah, you never know, man. But like when you I, were mentioning the persistence thing, like I, that's funny because I remember one of my first episodes, which was Gary Darna. I think it was literally episode four, maybe. And Gary, it might have been three. Yeah, Kim was Kim Nichols episode four. Gary, uh, so that's funny, right? So Kim Nichols is someone I think uh, maybe I introduced you to, and Gary Darna is someone you introduced to me and has been on my show. Yeah, possibly. I can't remember. Yeah, that's funny. So Gary, by the way, I don't know if you knew this. Um, he recently got about six hundred and eighty thousand dollars in funding for his site, Complete Set. And I just watched him do a pitch competition here in Lexington, and he won the whole thing. It was the finals. Like he won his monthly competition, then he was in the finals, and he won the whole thing and got some more uh, investments there which is pretty awesome. So like he literally was the one guy that I talked to that stressed persistence, just doing it, uh, finding, you know, he found that pain point because he had it himself as a collector and he made it happen. And like, it's just so exciting to see that come to fruition and be like, wow, $680,000 in investments, man. Congratulations. You know, yeah, that, that ends up going straight into the bank and, uh, you know, he's going to have a, a real uh, party when he looks at his account, you know, when that finally hits. So what a, 
what a great story. And, uh, you know, in a way, it's great that we're getting the opportunity to share these stories, isn't it, with the world. I was wondering, Heath, do you want to talk about apps? I am the app guy, by the way. Absolutely, man. That's what I was getting to next. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. For all you little appsters out there that are listening to this, swing on over to the App Guy podcast. Yeah, man, let's talk about apps. So I've uh, obviously a very big app uh, user. I have uh, hundreds of apps that have been recommended on the show. And uh, just I love what apps do. As I already mentioned, the one that uh, helped Kindara, which helped uh, 200,000 women get pregnant. And uh, that was mm-hmm. as a result of, uh, and literally, so just today, uh, I, I was helping another developer launch his uh, app. And as we're recording this, uh, he's going through a launch of uh, Baby Time. And I uh, had a little play with his app. And uh, it, it enables you to just at a one click of a button, uh, take the um, the app and uh, record when you uh, feed your baby milk or when you uh, change your baby's nappies or when uh, your baby wakes up from a sleep. And then after um, six, seven weeks, you, you literally get this whole uh, archive of um, uh, data, which you can then start to figure out trends and patterns and, and did, you know, did something that you changed in their food, did it affect their sleeping, that kind of thing. What a ma- an amazing app built by a solopreneur. Yeah. What was the, remember when you put your first app out there, what was the first one that hit success for you? Well, yeah, I'm still getting, um, I mean, uh, 750,000 app sessions, I think. Did you make uh, the, like the fisherman joke, the, uh, the false alarm for, I remember you talking about one that you made that was like the first one that went successful and I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, it's called uh, Fake a Bite. And the concept there uh, is that uh, in the UK, we have a very passionate uh, uh, group of um, fishermen, uh, especially carp fishermen. And they have these uh, bite alarms that they rest their fishing rods on and so that they can go back into their tents. And uh, when the alarm uh, sounds, it means that they've got a bite and they can wake up and uh, then catch the fish. And so the, it was a joke app that uh, w- would enable you to play the exact sounds of the bite alarms uh, to, uh, to to your mate who's sleeping, uh, and then they wake up in a they wake up in a you know like a hurry and they realize that they've been uh, duped and uh, you've re- recorded a video of them you know getting completely upset and uh, that, that's still they're still getting to this day. I had a quick look at it before we. We're chatting, and uh, I think there's something like 365 downloads per day uh, yeah, for that man. app. Yeah, and I've not touched that for a year and a bit. So, so at some point, you know, my exit strategy for that app is to to potentially uh, appeal to uh, anyone, any industry, any uh, manufacturer in the industry who wants that audience. Uh, they will probably make me a good offer for that app, and uh, um, you know, would eventually sell it. So, so it's an asset. Yeah. I mean, that's you create something once, and then you you can maintain it a little bit, but you watch it grow, and it's it's a pretty intriguing thing. I think that's why apps are so exciting. Uh, you never know; it's, you're bringing something to the world, man. It's almost like having a baby, you know. Like you're creating it, it; it was not there before, and then you're watching people engage with it, which which is something that I I am striving to get done. I I have so many amazing app ideas. Uh, one of my goals for the new year is going to be to focus more on creating a very simple app to get out there and to focus on this other service. So, uh, I mean, hell, you see people come up with the craziest apps all the time that that 
or, or like remember the the guys who made the one where you you would throw it up in the air and see how much hang time you could get. No, I, I don't remember that one. It went viral What's... and like people started jumping out of airplanes and shit with it to get the records. Like it recorded records and you could see like the world records and stuff for the most hang time on your phone. So people were like going up higher and higher and like skydiving with their phones to get like the biggest hang time. And <laughs> it's like, <laughs> well, it's the gamification of the world. And uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed, you know, listening to app developers talk about uh, like, so one, one of the most interesting episodes that came out of the uh, listener special, the episode that I had was uh, an episode where the guy had built this uh, app for kids to help encourage them learn maths and it gamified the whole um, uh, process. And so he said that he had this, impact on schools where they were getting complaints from the parents because the, the kids were waking up an hour early to do their maths so they could get some extra virtual coins. And he said, it's just wonderful, you know, putting money to one side, how how wonderful that you're, you're actually disrupting the whole classroom and making maths more enjoyable and, and just really helping kids enjoy, you know, what, what effectively to some is a really boring subject. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, I've seen, I've even had guests on that have worked with children in like foreign countries on building applications and things that help them learn. And I mean, even for us, like if I wanted to learn a new language, Rosetta Stone is the quickest way to do it. I mean, that's a program and these kids are getting to use things like that through apps now and even babies. And I know, I know you've done some for, for children because you found pain points there. Um, but you know, the fact that these kids are picking up these phones and, they're learning things through engagement. I mean, it scares me a little bit because it's tweening them straight into technology, but at the same time, they are so much more advanced than like I was when I was a kid, you know, like I, I watched these kids at the local accelerator school, which you had Brian Rainey on your show. He's a founder of awesome Inc. And they've got these schools and, and these kids come in, they're like, you know, 10 years old and they're talking like heads and shoulders above my head with this stuff. I'm like, man, I mean, they're sitting there coding away and I'm, and I'm like, wow, I cannot, wait to see what direction this takes off in, in the future. I mean, these kids are going to be brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's nothing more joyous in the world. You mentioned my twins and uh, seeing them play the games that I've created on the iPad. And uh, they actually choose that sometimes over um, Angry Birds or some of the other popular apps. Uh, and there they are playing my game, which is uh, a simple one of drawing mazes around a, a maze or uh, their they're um, playing sounds around the house. Uh, I've got a, a baby app where it plays uh, the sounds of um, the vacuum cleaner or washing machine, trying to help uh, newborn babies uh, to sleep better with those sounds. And actually, uh, I've got a travel version of that where I've taken the sounds of uh, uh, planes, uh, jum jumbos, uh, Boeings, and Airbuses, uh, all the different uh, flights that you can get and it plays those interior sounds of the plane so that if you're traveling with your baby uh, hopefully they'll have two or three weeks of getting used to the sound of a plane before they actually get on it and uh, then wow. it makes the travel a bit easier uh, i've got a dangerous dog app where um, it protects you from uh, dog attacks by emitting uh, high frequency sounds <laughs> yeah, it's just you can, how much fun can you have? I mean, here I, I was a finance guy. I was, uh, you know, helping uh, companies um, attract uh, invest, investments into pension funds. You know, and talking about uh, annuity rates. And and here I am now doing all this fun stuff with apps. Don't tell me that you know that working as a solopreneur is is 
is worse than the uh, the corporate job because it's you can just have so much fun with this because because you can ultimately take it wherever you want. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I I just designing them in general and like playing with them and, and and these apps that come out that that literally change the way I look at productivity. I mean, they have you know IFTTT. I've done so many things with that app to to automate and to increase productivity. Lift. I mean that that app has played a huge huge role in my life, and I know it has you too because I have checked out your your Lyft channel. I've seen that paleo diet on there, and and some of those other things that you've been doing and keeping those massive streaks going, man. Because you're a champion. <laughs> um, um, literally, uh, you know, here I am, a nobody, you know, a few years ago, and I'm constantly getting emails now from the founder of Lyft. Uh, yeah. I literally was on one of his internal emails um, literally yesterday, I think it was, uh, where he, they're having a debate about how to uh, do one of the features within the the app Lyft. And uh, I just feel really honored that, you know, they, they um, and I can see what it's like working for a startup. I mean, what an inspirational guy. You know, the guy who got the idea, uh, Tony uh, Stubblebine, he got the idea from his boss, who was the founder of uh, Twitter, or yeah, one of the yeah, founders. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, you know, hang around the right people and amazing things happen. I love, I love that episode that you did with him. And I, I've, of course I had Aaron on, which, which works with Tony and she did a special episode with me that released a couple weeks ago, um, about their meditation book that she's writing. And, and it was like a, such a, those are, they're the best people, man. They really are like so much fun. And, that app has really changed everything for me. How's that paleo diet going for you? Well, that's the other thing. I, I like to do new and interesting things. And, you know, one of the points I like to make is about sometimes, you know, there is so much consumerism around. It's almost like the theme of this podcast. We we're talking about it earlier, consumerism versus uh, creating. And so in terms of my diet, I've actually, uh, for the last um, four weeks now, I've lived on one meal a day and two shakes, uh, the shakeologies they're called. Mm -hmm. And uh, I literally have a shake in the morning, a meal at lunchtime, and then a shake in the evening. And uh, it, it it means that I'm not eating a lot. And, and uh, ultimately what's happening now is I'm walking around, you know, the world, the, light, the, the, the town or wherever I'm walking, and you just see so much food on offer, you know, buy this and there's a, um, a, a meter long uh, chocolate bar now because it's Christmas and they have the, the slogan, stuff the chicken, stuff the turkey, they eat this chocolate bar, it's the <laughs> biggest in the world. You know, it's just so much junk food and uh, consumerism. Uh, and it, I feel really um, angry that, you know, that you, literally the companies are doing this to us. And, and it's only by stepping back from the importance of food, because I'm not literally, I'm just living on two shakes and a meal. And uh, it, it makes me realize that, yes, in fact, if you don't open your eyes in life and, and look around you, you, you just walk through life aimlessly, uh, just buying aimless stuff and, and uh, not really having any you know, direction. Yeah, man, 100%. Like I, I've, I've started doing the same thing. I, I'm so, so just against processed foods and we build this amazing garden every year and we, we have enough food from that to can uh, in glass jars throughout the rest of the year. There's a mountain stream uh, about 40 minutes from my house and an actual natural stream that I actually go to and fill up uh, my five gallon jugs of BPA free plastic. And ever since I've been doing this and, and we watch the way we eat, we don't eat a lot of meat. I know that if we do, it's going to definitely be 
be uh, you know grass fed and free range meat and man it's like changed my entire life there's a couple podcasts i've found that are just brilliant that do nothing but talk about this kind of stuff um there's one called the 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 model model health show have you heard of that no i haven't no dude it's like my favorite podcast of all time it's called yeah the model health well hold on <laughs> the guy's the name. name is huge. I actually heard about him because he was on Pat Flynn had him on his podcast. Sean Stevenson. Right. Um let's see here. Yeah, Sean Stevenson. He's got the you know the giant eight pack of abs just like you, Paul. <laughs> he looks a lot like you actually. He's just got a little bit darker skin and he might be able to get a job as a reefer with my uh, old boss in uh, <laughs> Surfers Paradise. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm trying to f- I, I, Yeah, it's called the Model Health Show. Okay. So check that out. There's one yeah. episode that it literally he breaks down just by itself water. Everything there is to know about water, he goes through all the different types of water. He goes through stuff I'd never even knew like depending on what type of water you drink, you know, the molecular sizes of the water can't fit like they're supposed to into your cells that need to absorb them. So even though you're drinking water, you're not getting the hydration that you should. And it's, it's like the most fascinating stuff ever. The guy's brilliant. So, uh, he, I think he's been best of iTunes for a while now in fitness nutrition, but I think he has about 80 episodes out and check it out, man. Everybody check that out. Yeah. You're a podcaster's dream in a way because of all that mileage you're, you're traveling, you know, to, you must have a lot of time to listen to, uh, great podcasts. I do, Paul. I I've been getting a lot more. Like I got been getting into audiobooks as well. Um, but yeah, and then sometimes, of course, it's just enough is enough, and I have to relax and play a bunch of music. You know, just let my brain roll. Uh, I've always got to have something chattering. But yeah, man, I can get I can get a lot of podcast episodes in. I mean, I've listened to pretty much every single one of yours, and you have a shit ton of episodes out. <laughs> so think about that. Plus, like, I mean. I've listened to, there's a couple, there's a select few shows, four or five shows that I listen to every episode of. Um, And and Heath, how often do you listen to the radio? I don't. There you go. See, that's the way the world is going. You know, literally uh, people are tuning out of uh, old fashioned analog radio, digital radio. And the future is apps. The future is uh, smartphones. The future is, uh, in a way, this uh, alternative media. Uh, because you know now I, I just I turn on the radio and uh, it, it just it depresses me. It's full of ne- and the other thing I like to the share is, is terrible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I can't say that I've got the best music, but uh, I've started um, like thinking hard. I'm doing this test that you turn on the radio as a talk show, and uh, if they mention something negative within the first twenty seconds, you know I turn it off and i cannot keep the radio on it there's always something they they call it fud don't they fear uncertainty and doubt that's what they drum into you these mainstream media channels because they know you know in a way that there's a way of control control and manipulation and you listen i i challenge anyone listening to this right now if you made it this far through the podcast uh turn on the radio just listen to the fud coming out the fear uncertainty and doubt it, it's just enormous amounts of especially fear fear about everything and and that's what I, it runs I, off of man so i i literally have over the last year but specifically focusing on the last half a year focused on just having nothing but positive in inputs positivity in my life and it really 
helps make a difference because you're not affected by the external negativity around you. You're just you're having positive inputs. And that's because of listening to podcasts and creating content that means I can meet the best people and, and just fill my life with positivity. It makes a massive difference, as you, as you know. Absolutely, man. I can't listen to the. I just, I can't listen to the radio, and I, I've reframed my mind as well to fill myself with positivity. But like, that's the reason I got rid of cable as well. I mean, other than simplifying and trying to live minimally, uh, I can't. Everybody in this country, everybody across the world, they constantly wake up, they watch the news, they go to sleep, they watch the news. But it can be like the most detrimental thing to you if you do that. You start your day off with depression. You end your day with depression. It's always negative thoughts. Uh, there's not a lot on there that 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 really picks you up and makes you see the other side of the world. Because for every negative out there, man, there's a positive. Uh, they yeah, just I'm don't telling show you, you yeah. there don't is, show them to you. I do think it's the end of uh, some of the big mainstream media. I remember one of my episodes. The uh, app developer had this huge break. In fact, he canceled my um, scheduled time because he was appearing on Good Morning America, and. <laughs> You know, they he said that they have like an audience of five million viewers in the morning, and he had a, a parenting app, a really lovely parenting app. I think it was called Newbie for parents, and he was there with Mark Cuban, who's actually quite famous from Shark Tank, oh, yeah. and he was pitching his app, and he he had his slot on Good Morning America, and he pitched it to these five million people, and he went back and refreshed his website, refreshed, and was waiting for this flood of uh, excitement and uh, traffic and nothing. There was just a handful of people that ultimately ended up um, taking an interest in the app. And it just made me realize that from, you know, those 5 million viewers that Good Morning America get, they have got zero engagement. They've got almost no influence. And, you know, and that 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 developer had no impact. You know, he probably got better impact from my episode than he did with the Good Morning America. So it just shows you that I do think that the time for old media is possibly, uh, you know, we're counting down hopefully the days until we'll, we'll um, get more people to switch. Yeah. And I, it still blows my mind, like the podcasting thing, because if you're listening to this, you're you're one of the select few that do um, listen to podcasts. 90% of people still don't know what they are, even though the new iPhones have the app on the phone. You can ask them, you know, what's a podcast? And they, they have no clue. And and it's it's just the podcast in general. What changed my life? I mean, that's what triggered it. I opened up that app. I didn't know what it was, and I started listening to shows. And then I was hooked. And then from there, it just you know flooded down. And I got a hold of Paul. And then you know Paul said it started sending me pictures and selfies of himself. You know, with his <laughs> abs and and you know shipping me different types of beer from England. And it was just amazing. Uh, where. where <laughs> You know, it's from there. In in terms of taking a nostalgic look at podcasting, I I remember um, it was probably back in 2007 that uh, I had an iPod, you know, one of those white iPods, uh, 64 gigabyte or something, and uh, I synchronized it to podcasting and I listened to this show called Ricky Gervais. It was a comedy. It was the funniest thing ever. And I listened to that through a podcast and it was great because it was on demand. And then something happened. I just lost I thought maybe podcasting is just full of comedies. I don't know. For some reason, I think maybe the synchronization with your computer, it just was a bit of a hassle. And yeah. I lost podcasting for three years. Uh, it just literally never played any role in my life. And then in 2010, I remember it specifically. I was one of those uh, uh, times when I was living in Dubai with my family. We just uh, had a new family. And uh, in fact, it was, yeah, the 
back end of 2010. And I uh, thought, oh, what's this app on my phone? Uh, I'll have a look at it. And uh, then downloaded an episode of um, This Week in Google and uh, thought, my goodness, I'd love Google. And here I am listening to an episode of people talk about Google. This is great. And then from there on is my love affair with with podcasting and the content you get from it. It's just been, um, obviously, ultimately, the accumulation of that is 200 episodes of The App Guy. <laughs> and congratulations on that, man. Uh, and that, uh, and literally, if you ch- ch- sort of, I guess, you know, for people listening to this, they can take their own life in a way and you have these pivotal points of time. When you look back, you, you realize, oh, that actually did change the course of my, my uh, you know, solopreneur journey or whatever it may be. But at the time it just felt quite flippant. Yeah. Flippant for show. So Paul, I know that this has been coming at you for about six months now, but if you had to battle Godzilla, Paul, how would you use your creativity or talents to defeat that big, crazy British hating bastard? <laughs> well, I feel inspired to answer this because I only just watched uh, Godzilla a few weeks ago and uh, the, the re-release of the new uh, film. Okay, so th- the way I would possibly um, battle Godzilla with my creative talent is that I I would talk him to death. Okay, I would <laughs> literally get a microphone and uh, just talk, uh, interview people and play enough episodes of content that he is overwhelmed, confused, and ultimately then shrivels up in a, a ball of uh, complete mess from from having his head explode with uh, my awesome content. <laughs> You're good at talking, man. <laughs> I don't think well, that as when we you say, talk, <laughs> it makes people's heads explode, though, so you might be out of luck there. Well, I'd have to talk at a certain frequency that would then vibrate his uh, brain enough to then uh, explode, like the <laughs> Scanners movie. I've got... <laughs> I've got faith that you'd figure it out. Just a little bit of research, a little A-B testing, you'd get there, right? Yeah. Well, listen, I I could create an app that um, would have the ultimate frequency that would blow his mind as well. So there I've already go. got an app an app that's um, playing dog, uh, protecting yourself against dangerous dogs by playing these high-pitched uh, whistles. So, um, yeah, I'm sure that I could figure out an app as well that would uh, ultimately save the day. Awesome, man. Well, where can our f- listeners, our heady little, artsy little, creative little, stinky little, kinky little, rinky little, dinky little boys and girls out there, where can they get a hold of you, Paul, and find uh, all your amazing apps, check out your show, uh, send you some selfies, things like that? Well, they can uh, obviously go to Artsy Now, and it's the uh, episode that we're on, the App Guy. Uh, alternatively, they can go to uh, theappguy.co, and uh, then there's a load of subscribe links there. Or just search on their podcast for the Paul Kemp, the App Guy podcast, and uh, that will show up. And if they're a parent, then uh, they can also listen to my Entrepreneur Dad podcast. Absolutely. And for all the show notes, that is artsynow.com forward slash Paul Kemp. Paul, do you have any favorite closing advice? I know you got a whole plethora of nuggets there in your head. Um, what do you think our, our listeners need to know before you say ta-ta? 
Uh, the theme of the show is uh, migrating from a corporate lifestyle to working for a startup or a solopreneur. So if you are in one of those positions, if you're a solopreneur now, you're probably not even listening to this because you'll be doing amazing, uh, fantastic things with your life. But if you're in a, stuck at a job where uh, you, you, you're not pursuing your creative uh, calling, then there is only one thing to do, which is actually go ahead and take the plunge. Start changing your life right now. Not even Set yourself a date in time in the future. Write it down. And uh, that will be the date that ultimately you could leave. But then you could start doing small things right now, which is like changing the uh, your consumer behavior, cutting down on all those things that you're, you're buying around you that you don't need. Because ultimately, everything you buy is is keeping you in that job that maybe is not right for you. So I would say start making those small changes now and work towards that end date. Absolutely, man. Beautiful, like a sermon. You should start your own church, Paul. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should start Yeah, a church, right? Yeah, I mean, that's just going <laughs> to... You could, you know, you could bring all that bo- those bottles of champagne you were talking about uh, to the party and... and- you know, you could have like a all-inclusive church. You know, monthly fee could take a little commission off the top. Paul, you'd be, well, you'd be golden, man. Well, if any, uh, there's a, one final thought is there is a, a lovely um, uh, place in Kings Cross, uh, London that is called the Church, and they named it, and it's where all the Aussies and the expats and a lot of Brits go, and. It's on Sunday afternoons around the back of King's Cross. And ultimately, it's uh, where you get very, very drunk. And they have just these most amazing uh, like uh, episodes of uh, drunkness. And uh, they have com- comics up on the stage. And then they have a dentist chair where you lay back and they fill you with um, some vodka. Yeah, that's the kind <laughs> of church that I'm talking about, Heath. Oh, man. that That sounds like trouble, man. Yeah, when you come to London, I'm taking you to that church, my friend. I'm down. They, yeah, 100%, man. I'll try anything once. Uh, we're, we'll be there before you know it, too. You might be surprised if I'm not you know, camping out in your front yard tomorrow, Paul. So watch out. Well, uh, obviously, can you you can use you or any of your listeners if they are uh, in the UK and they need somewhere to stay, then uh, I'll put my uh, my house on Airbnb, and you're welcome to have a private room. Of course, I'll be making money out of it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, why would anybody want the private room when they could just share the room with you, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. You're giving me a little hook there, and I'm not taking it. <laughs> All right, man. Once again, everybody out there, do something crazy. Uh, You know, you can create whatever you want into this world if you just put your one step forward and and, and stay persistent. Like Paul, I mean, he's he's delving into apps, podcasts. He didn't do any of that stuff before. He he has taught himself. He has learned how to do it. He's built this amazing platform that's changing people's lives every day. Uh, You can you can do these things too. Maybe not necessarily app development. Maybe not necessarily podcasting. But you can find something that you truly love that you can work on. Uh, You can fist pump. You can send selfies to Paul and end up sharing a room with him in London when you are there. So everybody out there, break the rules, but first break the rulers. And Paul, dude, thank you so much for being just you and the entrepreneur now at the same time, man. Heath, you're a superstar. Love what you do. Thank you so much for having me on. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of The Archapreneur Now. 
For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, email me at create at artsynow.com or on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. The music? Well, that's shaky feeling. Check them out. Ventura, California. Ta-ta! Keep it funky.